Welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into God's Word, the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. Today, we'll be thinking through more from our latest instalment in our series in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, as together we study chapters 40 through to 66. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Deeper. My name is Grace Jones. It's great to have you joining us again this week. Um, my guest for today is Pastor Rod Bailey. Great to hear from you, Rod. Good to be back again, Grace. <laughs> um, if you're noticing a slight change in um, the recording sound, uh, that's actually because Rod and I are doing this podcast this week over Zoom. Um, so we hope that you can hear us all right. Uh, we're really thankful for technology. That means that we can be at opposite ends of the Illawarra and still um, have a conversation today. It's really great. Um, mm. You spoke on Sunday about idolatry as we continue to work through um, the final kind of chapters of the book of Isaiah. Um, and you quoted Tim Keller in your opening introduction. Um, And I'm just gonna read a little bit of what Tim has had to say on this topic of idolatry. Uh, He's written, the human heart is an idol factory that takes good things like a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives because we we think they can give us significance and security safety and fulfillment if we attain them. Uh, He goes on and writes, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Those are, that's a big idea. (laughs) Um, Big concepts, big things that we're wrestling with when we're talking about idolatry. Um, And this is something that you're talk was really focused on for this week. Uh, Do you mind Mm. just giving a bit of a recap for us as to um, what your talk was about, how God responds to idolatry? Yeah, so we're looking at Isaiah 48, which really brings together a whole strand of um, teaching or theme on idolatry that had been appearing throughout chapters 40 to 47, which was seen in some of the earlier sermons in the series, just in um, briefer. Uh, bits, um, but that comes to a head in 48. And really, I, I made my big question, how does God deal with idolatrous people? And you see in that passage that he uh, reveals the past and the future. He points to his predictive prophecy and how his knowledge is complete. Where, uh, and the contrast is meant to be with the idols that some of the people of uh, Israel are worshipping, which have no understanding or knowledge. Um, But he also graciously um, saves them um, through Cyrus and and ultimately uh, through his son, Jesus, who is pointed to in verse 16. Um, But also he refines them. So he has taken them through um, the affliction, as it's called, of exile in Babylon. And that is to help them to turn away from the gods as part of a punishment of their 
turning away to them, um, that God might ultimately refine them, bring them back to him, help them to see uh, that such idolatry is empty. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, things to understand in that original context, but also has a lot of application for ourselves today. Yeah, that's right. And um, I guess that's where we're headed with this podcast, thinking through, well, how does this actually apply to us um, in terms of mm. yeah, how we live in response to God's response? <laughs> um, so let's just get straight into some questions then that have come out of the talk. Um, my first one is, why is it that God seems to be com- seems to be particularly concerned about the sin of idolatry? Why is it that more time seems to be spent on this than on other offences? Yeah, that's a good question. And it is a big theme in the Old Testament, not just in Isaiah. And it's partly because uh, God is a jealous God as part of his character. That's a sort of phrase that's said over and over in scripture. For example, in Deuteronomy 6, um, the Ten Commandments have just been re-given to the people by Moses. And then uh, that's in Deuteronomy 5. And then in the following chapter, um, it says from verse 13, Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Um, So very strong words, but those kind of statements are made a number of times in the Old Testament. Um, So, And the reason is, it's not that just uh, God, um, you know, uh, can't, cope with arrival um, sometimes we hear the word jealous and we think negatively because we understand a person having such a characteristic as being um, you know not righteous or um, you know godly in their thinking uh, but for God to be a jealous God is actually right um, because whenever we put some idol in his place we're robbing him of his rightful worship and glory so we, we need to understand that uh, jealousy is a personal offense against God um, because, yeah, some, I guess, uh, glory that should be attributed to him, we're giving to some created thing rather than the creator, mm. um, which is a deeply offensive to God. And that's something that's just restated over and over. It's interesting too, like I think sometimes... I know I have struggled with that that idea of, oh, you know, is God's jealousy right here? Or is he just, um, he's hungry for his own glory. And that seems wrong because we don't like that when people do that. Um, But that is actually a a good thing for God to be receiving the glory because if anybody else is being worshipped, that's actually a moral evil, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's doing what we shouldn't do. Um, You know, if we, worship uh you know a statue or made out of stone or metal or wood as is spoken about in the old testament then it seems really obvious to us um that not only such an action is empty mm. but that, that would be offensive to the living god who has saved them and brought her out think about ourselves today yeah i think we often play down our idols or the worship of them and say oh well you know it's right that i um give attention uh to my family or that i um give myself fully to my job and 
and so there, our problem is they're often good things, uh, but then they become you know central things, and we don't see ourselves quite in the same way as robbing God of defaming him of the central importance in our lives. But that is what we're doing. We're sort of pushing him to the side and saying, this thing is most important to me and you're an add-on on the fringes of my life, God. Mm. Uh, when that ha- happens, we have a big problem. Mm. Uh, so is all sin a form of idolatry then? Yeah, it's a, it's a helpful way to think about it and perhaps not the way we normally think. Um, yes, in a sense that whenever we sin, we are choosing to serve ourselves or some other idol of our heart rather than worship God with an obedient life. So, um, you know, if somebody is uh, throwing themselves into doing X, Y, or Z, um, and that becomes all-encompassing for them, then uh, we've stopped worshipping God and that um, sinful pursuit um, has become an idol in our life. Um, and so, yeah, in that broader sense, uh, whenever we sin, uh, we're choosing to place something above God and we're obeying it rather than obeying God. Um, so, for example, somebody that might, um, I don't know, say was married and then is in um, a relationship, uh, an affair with a, another person, well, then they're following the idol of, Uh, fulfillment or the idol of lust or sexual fulfillment in their life rather than God's word and being obedient to that and being faithful to their spouse. So it's actually a form of idolatry that causes the disobedience. Mm, That's really helpful. Um, Well, how can we discern if the longing in our hearts is good and right, or if we've actually got an idol issue happening? thinking specifically of longings that we might have that um, we would perceive as being good as, you know, longing to be married or longing to have a child. Um, How can we tell the difference between good desires and idolatry? Yeah, well, I think this is really important because it is subtle at times uh, because idolatrous thoughts and behavior are often due to us taking good things, even God given desires and turning them into ultimate things. So as um, Tim Keller noted, you mentioned in your introduction, you know, a litmus test is when something of this is something, when something becomes the center of our life. So, um, you know, he will say things like, if I have uh, something, if I have that, if I say to myself, if I have that, if I feel my life has meaning, if I have this thing, then I'll know that I'll have value, that I'll feel significant or secure if I have this one thing. Um, then that shows us the true God of our heart um, is something other uh, than God. And so we're pursuing something um, that is now central. We could ask ourselves the question he also says, you know, what is it that our thoughts run to when there's nothing else demanding our attention? And so the true God of our hearts, he would argue, is what our thoughts effortlessly effortlessly go to uh, when there's nothing else that we need to focus on. Uh, So those kind of questions that we might ask ourselves um, perhaps can give us diagnostic tools to think about, well, has this uh, thing might even be a good thing, marriage, a desire of a spouse, desire for a child, 
but has it become the ultimate thing in my life? Um, the thing that will give me significance, I think, or security or fulfillment. Because I have to realize that those categories, significance, security, fulfillment, uh, ultimate joy, they can only be found in God. And when I think I can find them elsewhere, one, I'll be disappointed. Uh, but two, I, I've started to idolize uh, having this thing in my life or this person in my life. And that is to turn away from God and, and to make something else, you know, on the pedestal in his place. Mm, that's really helpful. Um, I have actually read Counterfeit Gods in the past and it does have a whole um, questionnaire towards the end of it um, mm -hmm. with a lot of really pointed questions that um, I found really helpful in revealing to me um, the idols of my heart. Uh, and I mm. yeah, commend that to anyone who's um, wanting to dig a bit deeper into this um, and kind of nav navigating um, those desires and things. Um, mm. What if we have then recognized an idol in our lives, but it's just, it's too hard to give up. Um, I'm thinking now more about uh, perhaps issues that are related to, to sexuality, to personal identity, things that we perceive as being, you know, the core root of who we are. Yeah, I, th I think when it comes to uh, sexuality um, as a marker of personal identity, um, the gospel is calling us to find our identity in Christ. So who we are is God's child. We're created for his service to bring him glory. This is what the Bible would teach. So life is not ultimately about us, but about God. And so what we do um, in making personal identity uh, in terms of sexuality central to who we are is to say that's who I am ultimately rather than being um, God's creation designed to serve and worship him. Um, it's something too akin to what I guess our society has done for the last several decades in a big way and no doubt for centuries before it, where people, rather than defining themselves by their sexuality, they'll define themselves by what they do. Um, and that's just as wrong, you know. So you ask a person, oh, tell me about yourself. And the first thing they say is, well, I'm an accountant, I'm an engineer, I'm a doctor. And so we define ourselves by what we do. Um, not so much just because we might want to impress the person, although that may be true um, if we think we have an important job, but we're, we're saying my significance, my importance, my identity is bound up in me doing this task. Um, and so if that person were a Christian, uh, if someone asked us you know, who we are, instead of saying a Christian, we say, I'm an accountant. Um, you know, that tells, uh, you know, the other person something about what is central um, to us, you know, our self-perception. And I think, you know, sexuality and the whole gender politics of the last 20 years is just replacing the what I do with who I am sexually or how I perceive myself and making that the ultimate thing when neither thing is a helpful thing. And the Bible would say, you know, we have to find our identity in Christ. Um, so that's, that's a challenge for us. Um, but we have to um, see ourselves as God sees us, as the Bible teaches us. Uh, Romans 1 is really helpful in this regard. Um, and it says that, you know, if we place things like sexuality as the central thing, what we're doing is worshipping created things rather than the creator. 
to really put ourselves on the throne or another person on the throne or our relationship with that person at the center of who we are. And God says, no, that, that's idolatrous and I'm at the center. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, well, I mean, I guess in a moment we'll get into a little bit more of um, uh, how we can um, perhaps help each other and help non-Christians as well um, recognize that giving up their idol is worth it in exchange for the goodness of God. Um, but we'll get to that in a moment. What if uh, we, we've recognized an idol in our lives and we do want to give it up? Um, how do we actually go about that? It's not necessarily all that easy and straightforward. Um, some idols perhaps are easier to um, sacrifice than others. Um, how do we go yep. about that? Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately what we're talking about from a Christian viewpoint, a Christian worldview, is that we're dealing with persistent sin. You know, if I recognize an idol and I want to give it up, but I'm struggling to do with that, then there is a persistent sin or idol in my life, which I've made the ultimate thing, and I'm finding it difficult to give up. That could be because there are addictive behaviors uh, that are hard to break that are part of that. Um, it may simply be that I've found my identity in this um, idol and I don't want to give it up or I, yeah, I'm seeing the cost of that and I'm unwilling. Um, so if we're serious about actually breaking that um, idol in our life, then we really will need several things to help us. We need accountability with another person. Um, it would be very hard to do it alone, especially if it's been a long pattern in our life. Um, so somebody that can be really open and transparent with them that will keep us accountable, that will ring us up each uh, week or whatever it might be and say, you know, how are you going with that? You know, how's it been this week? Um, it's going to take lots of prayer as well. We really need God's help. We're not going to be able to do this in our own strength. So we need to pray that God will intervene and help us, that his spirit will work in us to convict us and change us to actually want what God wants for us and not this idol that we've held on to. And we're going to have to fill our minds with God's word as well, so that we might love what he loves, that we might worship him and not created things. And as you're mentioning at the end of the last question, like part of it is we, we come to these kind of things negatively um, in the sense, well, I have to give up things. You know, I don't want God to be at the center. or I don't want to give my life to Christ if I'm a non-Christian because it means giving up all these things. Um, well, it, it often does. Yes, there's, there's so many idols in our lives or sins that we need to come, but um, it needs to be balanced, as you said, with a great appreciation of all that God has done for us in the sending of his son, of the joy that we have in actually living his way, of discovering that um, his way is actually the best way, that he wants what is good for us and that we'll find great freedom in following um, uh, God's uh, you know, expectations of our lives. Uh, we'll see that putting him at the center actually makes everything work and make much more sense of um, how we place value on things. So we need to understand there, there's so much uh, good that comes in handing our life over to God and dealing with things that are, are not what he calls us to, uh, rather than just seeing them as 
oh, this is a negative thing. I've got to give up these things. And um, even our thinking that way tells us that we love these things so much that we don't want to give them up. Mm-hmm. What we need is a greater love for Christ. And, um, and so I think this is why, you know, again, just coming back to Deuteronomy, this is very foundational stuff. Same chapter I was quoting before in Deuteronomy um, 6, you know, has the great statement, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Our problem with an idol is, or any sin in our life, is that we don't love God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. We're loving something else, um, at least in part. And it just won't work. Uh, we, we need to have God at the center. And so what we have to grow in is our love for him and his ways um, and let go of this thing. And I think over time, as God works in us and we change and his spirit convicts us, that um, love for that previous thing that was unhealthy and unhelpful will actually fade. Mm. Uh, we'll see that, um, yeah, it's not the thing that we once thought it was. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. I guess that, that leads me um, into my final question for you today, Rod, um, which is really thinking about like, how can we use our understanding of idolatry as a way into evangelistic conversations. Um, so I'm thinking like if we picture maybe a friend of ours or a family member who is not a believer, um, how would they finish this sentence? I suppose I would become a Christian if, and whatever their answer is there, um, are we likely to be dealing with an, with an idol with whatever they've kind of finished that sentence with? Um, and if so, then how can we use that understanding to help reveal Jesus as the only true solution for their desire? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, the answer to that first part is yes, whatever they finish that sentence with will be the thing that's most important probably. Um, if you say, well, I can only have God on my terms and it's only if God accepts that um, my greed is good and I'm going to pursue material things, for example, for the rest of my life, only if he's okay with me having, you know, chasing after possessions and money, (laughs) will I accept him into my life? Well, that tells us that the idol is those possessions, the money, those material things. And yes, that's an idol and they need to give it up. They need to see um, that that's become the central thing in their heart. Um, So how do we use that understanding? Well, I mean, this is why evangelism is hard. I mean, it's ultimately asking someone to give up their current idols, Mm. uh, which in the end is the idol of self. They're doing these other things so that they might be at the center or might be God, as it were, in their life, Mm. um, rather than wanting to worship the true God. Uh, And that's why it's hard. Uh, We are calling people to change. Uh, and if it were just about us, our work, trying to persuade people, then it would be a lost cause. This would be a hopeless task. Um, but it's it's God's work to convict people through the Holy Spirit, um, which reminds us that a person coming to repent of their idols and to find their meaning, their identity, their fulfillment, their security in Jesus, that's a supernatural work. You know, only God can produce that in an idolatrous sinner. But then coming back to our part in that, so God needs to be at work, but certainly he uses us as his instruments. And so we need to think, well, what's my part in, in sharing the gospel with a friend who I know, you know, has this central thing in their life, which is really an idol uh, from God's viewpoint. Um, how do I help that? 
well, maybe I've got to have conversations with them. Uh, if I have a strength of relationship where we can talk about these things, then to raise them and say, taking the example of materialism, for example, um, you know, is that really bringing the joy and fulfillment you think? Like, um, what if, you know, that thing gets taken away or you don't have the job you have and so you can't, um, you know, afford to chase these things or you get those things, but now that you have them, you just don't feel satisfied. It's exploring that these um, gods often let us down. It was the same in the Old Testament. It's often what the prophets are doing, you know, when they're talking to the Baal worshippers. Well, what's this Baal doing for you? Like, is, is he supplying your needs? Like, uh, over time, it becomes clear that it's, it's empty. It's not really working, um, that we keep paying our dues, as it were, to these empty idols, but the satisfaction that we thought they'd bring, it's just, it's not being delivered. Mm. Um, now, sometimes people are not in position to hear that or haven't reached that point of dissatisfaction yet. And so they might still be pursuing it, saying, no, no, this is the thing for me. This is all I want in my life. Um, but really time will show that uh, that won't be the case. You know, a couple of years down the track, it may be very different. Um, you know, that thing that they thought was so important is just um, yeah, not a thing anymore for them. They've, they've been frustrated or that relationship that was so important uh, has ended. And then, well, what now? Um, uh, everything is passing and fleeting in this world. Uh, that's the hard thing. And so um, we hold on to things it's when it's like trying to grasp, you know, a handful of sand at the beach. It's, it's going to keep slipping through our fingers. It's the only thing that's going to last for eternity is a relationship with an eternal God. Um, and so trying to express those truths to somebody that, well, what we're offering is so much more uh, concrete and lasting. Um, and, and, the, and the little trinkets that we hold on to in this life just are not going to do it. Um, uh, I think people can hear those things. So it, it's good to, have those things in mind, how you quite do that with your individual friend, what you say, the things you share, uh, that, that'll be very subjective and, and you just pray for God's guidance and help in those conversations. But having those kind of big picture um, themes in the back of your mind as you have the conversations, I think is the way to go. We, we don't want to be starstruck by their, um, I don't know, worldly success or their idol that seems to be working for them. We need to be convinced in our own mind that those things are empty and fleeting and there's going to come a point where that's not working and we really need to be ready to say, hey, I've got something that I've discovered that is so much better. Mm. I love what you said just then about not becoming uh, in, intimidated, I suppose, by the idol in their life that seems to be working for now. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, now feels like a great opportunity, if you're listening to this in time, to um, point out that our church is actually running some evangelistic training this coming Sunday, the 23rd of August in the afternoon. Um, so if, you're, if you've heard this conversation and you're interested in, you know, trying to, um, I guess, engage with this stuff um, in, a, in a more helpful way, um, then can I encourage you to sign up to that? Um, you can contact our church or the link is actually available on our um, Facebook pages as well. Um, that's Sunday, the 23rd of August. Um, that'd be a really great thing to get involved in as well. Um, well, that kind of brings me to the conclusion of our little uh, interview for today. Thanks so much, Rod, for um, your time and for sharing your wisdom here on this big topic of idolatry. Uh, we really appreciate it. 
Uh, thanks, Grace. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.